This is exciting because, boy, we sure enjoyed a great message on Sunday. And so, folks, if you are listening, make sure that you go to roswellgrace.com so that you can just stop now, put this on pause, and go to the website, listen to Alan's message, and then come back, okay? So I know you got all that time, and I don't mind if you do Everybody that while you're driving. tons of time. Sure, right. yeah, why not? Tons of time. So, but anyway, it's been exciting because your message is the capstone for the series, Creative Dreams. So uh, this, this great series that we've been doing. And you know, for you, what was the most fun or exciting part of delivering this message? Well, you know, what's interesting about this message is, first of all, uh, for those of you that, that are actually following the book and doing a small group, you'll notice in the book, it's, it's a story of Abraham. In, in the dead end. And so when I looked at the memory verse and then um, when Rick had asked us to preach, he kind of mm-hmm. gave us like, hey, here are the, here's the verses, here's the passage. And my passage didn't fit with the book. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought that was very interesting. And as I read the passage of the rich young ruler, I thought, wow, talk about a dead end. Mm-hmm. I mean, Abraham's dead end was that he had gotten to a point where he 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 just needed direction. He needed he needed something. Yeah. The rich young ruler's dead end is a true dead end. Right. It's the deadest of dead ends. Yeah. And so it kind of excited me to to kind of read that story and and as much as I've read it and know it, it was a very I kind of read it with a little bit more depth. Yeah. And and I truly enjoyed. Uh, all of the nuances surrounding it. Well, I can't wait to get into that because I think that that's, that's important. Um, so I, I think that there's a... You base your message, again, you know, on this Lord's interaction with, with the... Well, in some, some Bibles, they'll say the rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a wealthy young man. And, you know, before I get into the particulars of that young man's lost dream, you made a point... To tell us that as Americans, we have a lot in common with this young man. So remind us of what that is. Well, I think that in America, uh, as Americans, really, and throughout the world, but especially in America, we, we have need of nothing. It's true. You know, you, yeah. you think about... Especially if you're listening to this on a podcast right, right now. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, you're listening to it on a podcast. Who knows what kind of vehicle you're driving you're driving 70 miles an hour down the road. You're listening to something that's being recorded. We don't have need of anything. Yeah. And I think the 
what that does is when, and I, I mentioned the verse, uh, and I can't remember where it's found now. It's in Revelation hmm. um, that basically says, you know, because you're rich, oh. you don't realize that you're naked, uh-huh. that you need so much. And so because we have so much, we don't need God. Yeah. And, and this, in this story of this young man, he comes out to Jesus. He, he feels like he needs something. Mm-hmm. There's something he knows he needs. He feels, you can tell, like, why would you go to this good teacher walking down the road unless you felt like I'm missing something? You don't know what you're missing, Yeah. but you know you're missing something. So you go to this guy who's been healing people and teaching people and everybody's listening to him and he's creating a vibe and he's mm-hmm. kind of the great thing going on right now. And you say, what do I have to do to to gain eternal life. And his answer basically is sell all your stuff and come follow me. Well, there's, there's several things that happens in his brain that I think one is he goes, I only consider you a good teacher. And the <laughs> other is I have too much to give up. I'm yeah. not going to follow you. Let, let's go into that because that, that is exactly what he said. Good teacher. Yeah. So why is that a remarkable thing? And why did Jesus pick up on that? Right. Well, cl- clearly Jesus picks up on it because he is not just a good teacher. Yeah. Right. And and I, I wish I would have been able to get into this. I hate. No, that's why we're doing the one podcast. One of the things I hate about sermons is you yeah. have 30 minutes to do all of this. And but the good teacher, what that that. That probably did. The reason I didn't really flesh that out in the sermon is because I think it has little to do with the dead end he reached, Mm -hmm. but it had everything to do with his view of Jesus. Yeah. Like he didn't see Jesus as Lord. He didn't see Jesus as Savior. He saw Jesus as this this amazing teacher that's walking around doing all these amazing things. I want to I want to get on this guy's coattails and figure out what he's doing. Yeah. And then Jesus catches that. Jesus, yeah. Jesus totally hears that and says, why do you call me good? Mm-hmm. Nobody is good except God alone. That's right. So, I, I imagine Jesus kind of saying, uh, he leans in and he says, um, why do you call me good? Because right. you know only God is good. Right. <laughs> Leaving right. him hanging there. You know, and, and yeah. then, then the young man goes, uh, well, because... <laughs> And he, of course, it totally went over his head. Right. It totally had went to over have. his head. It had to have. Because, I mean, Jesus, you know, and, and you never know. I always get a little bit, like, you, whenever you're reading a Bible story like that, you always feel like there's parts missing because you're not there. Of course, yeah. You know, and so I always, I always look into that story and I'm like, I wonder if Jesus paused there because it mm-hmm. goes from only God is good to yeah. you know the commandments. Yeah. You know the commandments. And he lists... Four or five of them. He doesn't list them all. He lists six. Oh, he lists six. Okay. Yeah, and, and so because uh, this is kind of go keep going. Okay, keep going. go ahead. I want to hear that. Too, no, but. because uh, so the six that he listed because the commandments are 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 divided four These that are, are that are that are excuse me vertical, uh, vertical and six that are horizontal. He lists all the ones that are horizontal. Horizontal, right? He right? does. You're you're right about that. I hadn't I hadn't really put that into. I had thought about that, but I hadn't really put it into. Oh, I, I didn't come up with that. I, I, someone else said that, and I just picked up on it. So, but but I find it interesting that 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 is exactly the heart of the matter that Jesus goes into, right? And why he says, "Yeah, you have an idol, and the best thing for you to do, if you're going to call me Lord, 
is I've got to yank that idol out of your heart. So, okay, so go back to it again. You know, right. the the whole point of... I mean, Americans aren't idolatrous, are we? I mean, we don't have any we don't have any idols or temples to oh to Diana or it, how idolatrous right. are we as Americans? Oh my gosh, we are so idolatrous, and I I, and I and I wish I wish I could sit here and say, yeah, and because I preached the message, nothing in that message hit at home for me, <laughs> right? Yeah. But as I'm writing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm. I'm mm-hmm. terrible at this. You know, yeah. how, how often, you know, like even I was telling you just, you know, last night what I, you know, I just wanted to sit at home and watch Monday Night Football. Yeah. Like, how is that not idolatry? Mm. Right? Like making sure I have the TV, the sound system, the so that I can watch football. Mm. And I get it. And I know it's not my idol. Like right. I, I, I know who Jesus is and I follow him. I, I really do believe that. I love him. Yeah. But but Jesus Jesus recognizes that that we are and I think we have to recognize that it's so it's such an entrapment for yeah. us. We we get trapped in it. What is in your opinion the most dangerous idol in America? Money. Oof. Money stuff. Come on. I mean I mean that's it. Money makes the world go round, isn't it? it? Does. I mean it does. There's, isn't that what Santa Baby's all about? I mean, <laughs> I do like that song. Yeah. <laughs> which which one? The Eartha Kit? The... Oh, the Eartha Kit. Oh yeah, yeah. Come on, you can't. <laughs> I mean, right? I don't. I don't. I don't even hardly listen to new stuff. Well, that's another thing. But I did listen to Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer by. Oh, Megan Trainer. Oh, really? Very good. I thought it was okay, very now, good. Now she did a good job. Look this up. Okay, so yeah, you know, I, obviously, I mean, you don't even have to be a Christian, no. right, to see that we put too much emphasis on money, which brings possessions, or which brings influence, right. or which brings power. Well, I guess that's the same thing, but influence, power, um, and uh, maybe just the illusion. The illusion of safety or the illusion of, and this is an irony that, mm. that cannot exist, the illusion of self-protection. Absolutely. Right? We Absolutely. think that, I, well, if I can afford to live in a gated community, if I can afford to live in a car or drive a car that is uh, like, uh, it's got huge, huge windows and doors and it's soundproof and, you know, just these luxury vehicles, um, which I'm not against luxury vehicles. Right, uh, but on the other hand, it's like we we try to censor ourselves mm-hmm. and insulate ourselves. Right, we we want to live in a bubble. Yeah, and the problem with living in a bubble is that you have to keep certain things out of the bubble. Right, and at a certain point, is our bubble too close that we're keeping out Jesus? And I think yeah. that's what Je- you know. Jesus didn't have that idol. This guy didn't have that idolatry. Obviously, you know, and I think. <sighs> Man, America is just, and I love living in America. I'm clearly, I'm, give me a break. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. But, but, you know, when you look around, you can just see the amount of, even, you know, even like with money, there's money first, right? He talks about money with the rich young man. Mm -hmm. But then he talks about good deeds. Like, yeah, you've kept all these things. You've done all of this. But, you know, it makes me think of the verse where, um, and I just right now, I can't remember where it is. You'll probably remember where it is, but, 
but where where people are coming up to Jesus and going, we did this in your name, we did this in your name, we mm-hmm. did this in your name. And he says, but I didn't know you. That's right. You, you didn't know me. We didn't, we didn't have a relationship. Yeah. You just did stuff in my name. Well, you can do stuff in somebody's name and, and not know them. Right. Religion is a presumption. It is. That we know everything. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah I was thinking of the, the, a couple of key phrases of Scripture where you know, Jesus himself said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the mm-hmm. one, love the other, or you'll be, be devoted to the one and despise <laughs> the other. You can't, and then I thought it was kind of interesting how the Lord put this, these comparisons together. You cannot serve both God and money. Um, and then Paul later on would say that it's the love of money. The love of money, not money, but the, the love, love of, money of money that is the roots of all kinds of evil. And I thought that that was really interesting how he put that of all kinds of evil, um, because I think that that it it is. <laughs> if I can just put it this way, I, I think it might be because money is literally the currency of our greed mm-hmm. and at least for, for, for my greed, my greed and my um my sense of, well, what do I need God for? I mean, I know I'm going to get a paycheck. Right. And so, uh, and, and by the way, I earned that job. And uh, yeah, yeah. So, right? Right. Right. right exactly. Um, uh, I don't need God. I've got a car. And if I, if I, if that car breaks, I got insurance that I paid for. Right. And, uh, and it's only when we get, we get stopped by some things that are out of our control and, in, in CR terms or celebrate recovery terms, it's when we understand that our lives are completely unmanageable. Right. And really, blessed is the one <laughs> who realizes you never right. had, you never even got the door open to manageable. Right. But, and and I, I remember one time at a, at a conference having somebody say control is an illusion. Yep. Yeah. It is an illusion. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we are, we're, we're, Ducking it. And one of the things you said that just popped in my brain was the idea of um, uh, the storehouses. I think that um, mm. I do I do counseling for people and marriage counseling, and you've done it too. And and one of the big issues I find in a lot of marriages and a lot of people's lives is this idea of money. Mm-hmm. And it's that love of money, mm-hmm. that that um, lie. That if you have enough of it, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Is that's that's the part that I think we run into with money is as Christians, mm-hmm. you know. And I and I don't. It's good, but it, it's the idea that it's like, well, I have to have this much in savings, and I have to have this much in life insurance, and I have to have this much in this. If I have all of that, then I can breathe, <laughs> and it's okay. But if I don't, then what I have to do is I have to work more. I have to do this. I have to do these things so that I can maintain this lifestyle and still have this cushion of safety mm-hmm. so that if, I mean, and it's crazy how we do it, but we do. It's true. And, and, I, and I wish I could say I, I, I don't, <laughs> uh, but I, I do. I, I do it too where I'm like, you know, well, you know, we, we need to have this much money in case... The car needs tires, and yeah. you know we don't want to go into debt for that, so we better have two thousand dollars in the bank for tires. Yeah, and that's fine to do that, and it's good to do that. Right. It's just that we can't hinge our life 
and our faith on it. Right. Our right. faith has to be in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ gives us that as a blessing. And if we hold on to it, if we hold on to it, we're like that guy in the parable mm-hmm. who has the treasures that he stored up. Yeah. For what? No, no, and I love the, I love the, I, I don't, I, I know what you're talking about, that parable that Jesus gave, uh, right. and I love actually the King James version of, of what Jesus said, you know, when, when the man was saying, you know what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to build, I'm going to tear down my, my storehouses and build bigger ones. Build bigger ones. ones. And, uh, and then Jesus says that the hill come, God will say, thou fool, you fool, you fool, don't you know that tonight. I'm going to demand your life. And by the way, if you don't think, listener, that you can't have your life demanded of you, then you need to get out of denial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man! Because there, there, you, your life will be demanded. Of it you. is, and I, and I, and I look it, at, I look at America, and I just see that situation. We're, we're building bigger and bigger storehouses. You think that's part of the deal? Is that money or influence or power or whatever the things that money brings? It, it makes us think, well, I'm above accountability. I don't, I don't need to be accountable to you. Right. I don't owe you anything. Well, because if you don't need to depend on somebody, you don't need to be accountable to them. Yeah. You know, if, if you, know, you have adult kids, I have adult children, they get to a point where they can financially take care of themselves, then they don't have to be held accountable to me. I can't hold that account not that I ever did but I can't hold that accountability over them like mm-hmm. like Nehemiah my son is 16 mm-hmm. right so everything he has is because I allow him to have it mm-hmm. when he is 25 yeah everything he has is because God has allowed him to have it now right. the fact of the matter is is that Hopefully, he sees God has allowed him to have it. Right. But in the end, at this age, at 16, when he needs a vehicle, when he needs gas, when, and he needs those things, and he can't afford it, mm-hmm. then he depends on me to grant it to him. Yeah. And so, therefore, he's held accountable to me. So, if, if he drives too fast and he gets in trouble, I can yeah. take that away from him. Yeah. But as adults, when we have everything we need... We don't depend on God, so therefore we're not held accountable to Him. So why do we have to obey His rules? And pro- so proper maturity, proper maturity is understanding I am accountable to God. Right. But here's the thing: is that if I make myself accountable, that means that God is responsible. That's right for me. And so what a much better position that I and I think that that was the point of the young man right. is that he felt like I got this under control. <laughs> I'm not really responsible exactly to God. Exactly. So okay, let's we got boy, we gotta move on. Sorry, here. sorry, so, I do, no, we do no, this it's all every good. time we do this. I we, love this. This is good. Is there any um uh, because Warren writes this this uh, in in the book that we've been reading, when we face a dead end, don't focus on what you can't do, focus on what God can do. Right, right. So like if we do face our we do find ourselves saying, Okay, I don't wanna be like that young man. I wanna I wanna pay attention to the first four commandments as well as the last six. How could the young man have had a better story if he had <laughs> read that comment, you know? <laughs> right. If we focus on not what we can't do, but focus on what God can do. Right. Well, I think that had he been focused on the fact that, had he been focused on God, like you said, the first four commandments, had yeah. he had that vertical relationship and realized that Jesus was God. Yeah. 
then um, I think that it wouldn't have been a dead end because he would have he would have listened to what God said and he would have said kind of like Abraham and Isaac. Yeah, you know that story of Abraham and Isaac where Abraham has to go and sacrifice his child. Yeah, God was never ever going to make him kill his child. Yeah. Abraham had to be willing to do it because he knew that God was God. Yeah. And he trusted his 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 almighty power. Yeah. Even in the midst of this I'm lying to my son, yeah. but at the same time he's not, God will provide. So at that point if the rich young man had heard what Jesus said and said, "Well, wait, you're God." So yeah, let me go take care of that, or just okay, I'm leaving it all behind to follow you. Yeah, likely the situation would have been completely different, and he wouldn't have had to sell everything to get there. Yeah, and and you know, do you know that uh, theologians throughout the years have have kind of tied this young man and Joseph of Arimathea together? No, didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, so wow. this, I, I read several. I've read several throughout the years that that many people believe that. And not many, I shouldn't say many, I don't know, maybe three or four theologians, but that this oh, that's a smart correlation. This could be Joseph of Arimathea huh. who gives Jesus the tomb. Yeah. And has come around and started following Jesus, but still has everything he needs. Yeah. And there was there uh I can't remember all the clues that are in there, but uh it it's interesting to me because I wonder, you know, we say dead end. Uh-huh. But but what if at the midst of his dead end, because he reached the dead end, right? He went, oh no, yeah, this is the dead end. Oh, I hope you're right on that one. What's the deliverance? Yeah. The deliverance is I've got to follow that guy. Yeah, you, so have you seen The Chosen? I've seen a lot of it, okay. not the whole thing. I've watched bits and pieces of different, yeah. So like you know, of course, in John chapter three, Jesus has this con- this conversation with Nicodemus and. In in the in the series, Jesus says, "I want you to follow me," and Joseph of, or excuse me, Nicodemus is is really caught because he is a leading member of the Sanhedrin, and so he has to say, "If I if I give up everything, I really do give up everything." And so, and in the in the series, he decides, "No, that's too much. I can't do it." I have seen that scene. Okay, all right, yeah. and and we see him weeping because he wants to. He knows it's the right thing to do, and. And Jesus kind of lingers a little bit, but then he lets him go. Mm-hmm. And and I think that the proper thing, right, for this young man would have been to say, done, Jesus. Right. I mean, if Simon left his boats and his nets and if Matthew left his cushy job with the Roman government, I mean, yeah, I'm going to do that. I want my story. I want to follow in the footsteps of my father, Abraham, who left his family in uh, in the, in the uh, where was he from? From the... Ur, there you go. Ur, <laughs> like uh, yeah, from Ur. Uh, or I'm gonna I'm gonna leave behind uh, like Moses did. I want the greater story. This is my ticket to right. greater things, and with great power comes great responsibility. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it up. Right, done, Jesus. Just give. I'm gonna let me tell goodbye. Although he did. <laughs> let me just do a quick quick goodbye. Right, I'll meet you later on. Right, and right. Then, which Jesus would have said, "No, no." That's right. That's right. Now come around because he done. did that before. Right, <laughs> done there. Right. Okay. Uh, I wish that would have been fun. That would have been great. But you know, that kind of makes me just think. You know, and you were trying to tell people this during the message. 
Wouldn't it be terrible if all the things that you're working for right now, the ladder you're climbing, we've heard this before, but I appreciate you bringing it up because it's true. What if it's against the wrong wall? Right. Oof. Right. I think, I think that's a big part of, of the story that we read with this rich young man, this rich young ruler, is that he comes to Jesus with a certain dream. Like he comes to Jesus to hear, I think, that he's doing everything right and you're doing such a good job. You already have this nailed. Yeah. And I think that, that so many times we go into our dreams and we go, this is my dream. This is what I want to do. This is my, this is the penultimate dream for me. And yeah, what, what if that's not the dream? Mm. Like, and, and so, so maybe that's why you're having difficulties. Maybe that's why you're facing adversity because it's not the right dream. And I think that's what this story tells us is that the dream really needs to be living for Jesus. Yeah. And then the secondary dream mm-hmm. needs to be whatever Jesus is leading us in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think that, I don't, know if, I don't know if you have stories like that in your life, but I have stories where, where my dream is mm-hmm. yeah, I want child. to do this. Like, mm-hmm. like before I was a children's pastor, mm-hmm. I had gone and gotten my master's degree and had worked very hard and had been preaching a lot. And my dream was to be a senior pastor. Mm-hmm. But when I got down on my face and I asked Jesus that I want to follow whatever his dream is for me, here I am. Yeah. Does this mean this will be the dream forever to be the children's pastor? I don't know. Yeah. But what I know is, is that I can't put my dreams above loving Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And we do that all the time. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have to admit all the time that I make decisions every day, every month, all the time. I don't ask God for his opinion on it. Mm. I do. Mm. I'm, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna go to lunch today yep. and I'm go. Well, you. do I want McDonald's, Burger King, or do I want like Panda Express, something that's a little bit healthier? God, can we talk about this? <laughs> I, I don't do that. I'm just like you know, a burger sounds good. I'm going to get a burger. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't check. I don't do anything about that. Yeah. So so when it comes to bigger decisions, we also don't. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't ask God for big decisions. And I wish I did. Yeah. I wish I and sometimes I do. So I mean, I think ultimately you're praying if you're praying and you're seeking and you're following, God will put roadblocks in the way. But sometimes I think, no, he's not. Because mm-hmm. he's like, Why aren't you talking to me about this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you asking me what I think? Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder if, if the, the roadblocks that we do get um, or what, what we think of as the roadblocks, but they're really, I think about that proverb where it says that uh, like, like, a, like a farmer who can, can adjust the course of a stream just by pushing dirt with mm-hmm. his hand, right? And, and I think that that's, that that's a great lesson for, for us all. Like for, for me, I know that uh, my cancer journey, was an important part of God funneling me. And so just for that alone, I'm grateful. I'm so right. grateful because I'm honestly, I'm just not smart enough to just figure that out. I'm not. And I'm just too, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just too stubborn and I want what I want. And I'm so grateful for that. And, right. and, and I think that as most people, 
I think that that's out of a grateful heart. The Lord wants to lead them to a grateful heart decision to say, yes, Lord, if this is where you want me for now or forever, right. that's what I'll do. Well, um, how about this? Um, Warren also writes about how faith is, is facing the facts without being discouraged by them. So this, this may, you may have already picked up on this, but, but you may want to either bring a personal reference, but mm-hmm. you know, a lot of your message or maybe your own personal life, wh- why is that important that we, that we face the facts without being discouraged? <clears throat> How do we practically do that when we do get the bad news right. of chronic disease or disablement, uh, a lost job, divorce, death of a spouse, or, or God forbid, even death of a child? Right. Right. These are, I mean, you just, I read that and I was like, (sighs) right. I don't, faith, faith is, that's when faith becomes important, right? And you can't, here's the thing is what I, what I see a lot of people do. And even, even I think sometimes me is we don't practice our faith on a regular basis. We don't stretch ourselves to do things that are causing mm-hmm. us to be in that moment of anxiety where, oh no, if this doesn't work. Mm. And so we wait and God does it for us with, <laughs> with stuff that we don't want to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, faith, is, faith is being able to get... So at the end of my message, I talked about the, the two things we have to do. We have to give give it up and we have to leave the world behind. We have to give it up and we have to leave the world behind. So faith really is tested, um, but nobody can stand the test of faith if they aren't first following God. Yeah. Now there are people that, that, that can come to a higher faith going through that. But I think in the end, the, 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 the answer to it is make sure you're living a life of faith ahead of time. Yeah. Because all those things you're talking about could happen. Yeah. They're, they're, they're that far away. Yeah. Right? That's right. It, it, it is so crazy when, when I think about the fact that... Um, and the Bible says it. You know, in the blink of an eye, mm-hmm. we are all just that far away from a major disaster, a major piece of news. Yeah. But we can't plan for that. We can't. We can't. There's no planning for that. Yeah. So what we have to do is we have to have a life built on true faith. Mm-hmm. knowing who God is, knowing God is in control, trusting him with our lives so that when they hit, yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah. But but we've built up enough of it that what's depleted, there still remains some. Yeah. You know, right? I just I just listened to uh, Brene Brown uh, in The Power of Vulnerability, and she mentioned that uh, about the... The real danger of, um, uh, oh gosh, I had it on the tip of my tongue and now it's gone, <coughs> uh, of um, def- not deferred hope, but 
oh gosh, I can't remember the word now. But anyway, she talks about how, you know how we, we will sometimes think, hey, life is going so good. Oh, but man, that just means in just a moment, it's going to mm-hmm. go real bad. And, <laughs> and, and that's, she said, that is a horrible way to live life. Right. Uh, but that's also a horrible way to live our spiritual life, to always think of this thing that could go bad next when we catastrophize into the future. Right. And so, okay, well, yeah, it, it could be that uh, five years from now, you, or, or 10 years from now, uh, you have, or 15 years from now, I hope, right? Or hope never. But it might happen that you might have a stroke. Yeah. Or you might be hunting and fall down and seriously break your leg or hurt yeah. your back or any number of things. But we can't live our life trying to protect ourselves. Again, no. self-protection, what a silly notion. We can't live that life and because we're going to miss out on all that joy. That's right. And God doesn't, God doesn't mean for us to, to do that. And so there's that, that important spiritual dynamic. Wow, right. Alan, fantastic message. Anything Thank else you, you want to add before... No, we, I'm we good. Thanks, man. Here. Because, Alan, do you do you hear that? Is there a star? No, 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 no. Yeah. Oh, do you hear what I hear? Christmas <laughs> time. No. All right. So we had that great discussion with Alan, but it's time for Rick's quote of the week. So, Rick, what do you got for us today? Well, you know, Alan talked great message, by the way, folks. If you haven't listened to it, go to roswellgrace.com. You mm-hmm. gotta listen to Alan's message. Really, right on the button. But uh, he talked about dead ends. And, you know, sometimes, Sean, when we hit a dead end, we give up. We say, well, it's all over. Yeah. We don't push through. It's never supposed to be. And continue uh, to, to be patient, trust God. But John Maxwell just has a great insight when it comes to uh, those dead ends. Here's, here's the quote of the week. Don't wait for something bad to end before you let your life begin. Ooh, that's great. Now think Ooh. about that. Don't don't wait for something <clears throat> bad to end. No, you just keep trusting God. Don't wait till something bad to end before you you let your life begin. That's excellent. Ooh, yeah. I love that. Well, fantastic quote. What else is going on here at Grace? Uh, a lot. Uh, tis, the, <laughs> tis the season. Uh, this Sunday uh, is our annual Mission Sunday. That's very unique here at Grace. All the money given in the general fund this Sunday goes to support New Vision Latin America. Hmm. And we support uh, quite a few people in Latin America under the umbrella of New Vision Latin America. Mm -hmm. Uh, Seven pastors and their families we support. We support a huge, Sean, I mean huge, vacation Bible school all over Latin America. Last year we had 480 churches supported. We had 50,910 kids attend, and here's the number that blows my mind. We had 35,510 kids who were saved, who prayed to receive Christ. That's unimaginable to me. That's yeah. just, wow, praise the Lord. That's so wonderful. Our new vision, a Latin America team led by Jerry and Kayla Costa coordinate all that. Yeah. So that's Sunday also. The deadline for Operation Christmas Child Boxes is this Sunday. It's not too late. Mm-hmm. Pack the box, bring it. Or if you have to, go online. Yeah. Just go to Operation Christmas Child, and you can actually pack a box from your phone or your computer. Wow. And then I want to remind people that a week from Sunday, November 26th, is Grace's 25th anniversary celebration. Wow, 25 years. It's hard to believe. It really is. It's hard to believe, Sean. 
And um, it, but anyway, we're going to celebrate at the services. In between services, we're going to open up our time capsule Woo-hoo! that we built into a wall 20, yeah! 25 years ago. <laughs> and we're going to have refreshments and some mementos to commemorate for people to take home with them. going to be a great time. And we realize it's uh, Thanksgiving weekend, but what better time to celebrate it's true. than the Sunday after Thanksgiving. That's right. So everybody's invited to be a part. That's what's coming at Grace. That's fantastic. Rick, thanks so much. And audience, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.